Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Squad. Today's guest is LPD's intern and VIP. I think we gave her the title of Marketing and Media Coordinator, Megan Winter. She's a Purdue student, and she has been a, a very vital role in our social media platform. Uh, we have a great conversation with her. We also talk about our community outreach and crime prevention unit in a little more depth. Uh, I think it was pretty interesting. And then we also talk about the Citizens Academy. Oh, and the Foot Pursuit 5K. Can't forget about that. Please re- please register at footpursuit5k.itcherace.com. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Megan, thanks for being here this morning. Of course, I'm happy to be here. Are you awake? Patty, you're back. I am back. Where did you go? I don't even remember. I slept since then. But, you know, Sean did a great job. He did. Since I wasn't able to join you last time. He did. Did, well, did, did he tell you about all the digs that we got in on you while you were gone? You know, he didn't. He didn't share that? No, he okay. wanted me to make sure I listened. Well, we didn't. So just. <laughs> I think Alan and Tom edited all that out. Alan, you weren't here either. Where were you? I was in Honduras. Honduras. How was that? It was good. Scuba diving. Spent about 22 hours underwater. How long is that flight? Uh, two flights. Um, two hours and then maybe a two and a half hour flight. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. And that's how long were you there? A uh, week. I'd like a vacation soon, sir. That's denied. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Well, Megan, <laughs> thanks for being here. Uh, I guess go ahead and first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who yeah. is Megan Winter? Sorry. Go ahead. You're good. Um, I am currently a junior at Purdue University, and I am an intern with Lafayette Police Department. I am working under the Crime Prevention and Community Outreach Unit. Um, I'm from Seymour, Indiana, so hometown of John Mellencamp. Seymour is like kind of a small town, about 20,000 people. Um, one high school, very close-knit, small community. Everyone always knows what's going on in the town. It's do only 20,000. Do they have pink houses there? They don't. Oh. <laughs> they have what? Little pink houses. You don't know John houses. Mellencamp, his song? Uh, yeah. May, maybe, yeah, sure. yeah. Maybe you know him by John Cougar. I'll, just, I'll look it up later. I'll look <laughs> it up later. Well, I didn't know it was that small. 20,000 people in Seymour? Yep, small town USA. How far away is that from here? Uh, it's about two hours south. Okay. All right. So why did you choose Purdue? Um, well, I went to IUPUI in Indianapolis freshman year, and I chose there to run cross country, but I just quickly found out um, the Indianapolis vibe wasn't what I want as um, a college, and I wanted more of, like, a unity and just, like, a close-knit community where I could really feel active and grow in as myself. So I transferred to Purdue my sophomore year, and since then I've definitely felt a lot more, like, comfort in the university I want as a whole and growth. But, I mean, outside from being a student, Purdue and, like, the Lafayette community definitely is very welcoming and provides a lot of stuff for the students like me. Oh, Okay. Right on. Even in the Lafayette side as well? Yeah. Definitely. I feel like, so I grew up here, and obviously I knew both sides, but I felt like when I was there, and even now, a lot of Purdue students know nothing about Lafayette. Is that fair to say, or is that totally not the the case today? Yeah, I have a lot of friends. They don't really venture off campus, but I don't know, I've definitely 
felt comfortable within like the Lafayette and West Lafayette community to go out. I mean, there's so many restaurants, like every a lot of places to shop, and um, the community is just welcoming with all the events they have, especially like downtown and at like the Long Center. But mm-hmm. Megan, we'd like you to go back and tell all your little Purdue friends that Lafayette's over here. Okay. <laughs> right across the bridge. That's yep. right. Well, I think that's what what kind of surprising is how many students <laughs> reside uh, in Lafayette. Yes. There's quite a few. Right. And we were talking about that earlier. I mean, there's a good chunk of Purdue students that live in Lafayette. And they're kind of dispersed everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not just close to downtown either. Right. You know? but, but you have your, your students who are in university housing that you know they just don't go out. They don't go outside their circle. And Lafayette particularly does a lot to attract them. I mean, with all of our festivals and events going on, mm-hmm. we would love to see more Purdue students on this side of the river. Yeah, especially in the downtown area when you take a look at a lot of the concerts and theater opportunities, they're all over. Right. We have a great, vibrant downtown. I mean, any any evening you go out there, you're going to see a lot of people walking around. It's it's wonderful. Tom, Ralph, did you guys go to Purdue? Either one of you? No. No? I wonder, I would like to see if more students are coming over here now that because because a lot of the students don't have cars right right so now with uber and lyft and all that stuff i wonder if they have those capabilities so now they venture over here more i'd be curious to to see that but i think my first semester at purdue i only came to lafayette maybe four times oh really hmm. a lot of my friends that are out of state they're like oh outside of purdue like it's so boring here because Someone not from the Midwest, like from California or the East Coast, like my friends are like, oh, the Midwest is so boring. Like outside of Purdue, there's not much to do over here. And I'm like, well, you're two hours away from Chicago, an hour north of Indy. And even, like I said, Lafayette in West Lafayette, like there's so much to do here, but they don't venture off of campus and realize it's there. Yeah. Hmm. So going back to, did you cover what your major is? Yeah, so I'm studying human services with a concentration in public health. Um, I've always just had a desire in, like, the community outreach and, um, like, marketing area. So I've definitely found, like, my passion within that um, from my experience this past summer. So I'm kind of pursuing a route that's it pertains to my major, but not necessarily in a way. But that's why I've definitely took it upon myself to get experience within that field. So... I can evolve with that. Can you talk a little bit about how you were connected with LPD? Um, Yeah, so my friend actually, I told her I wanted another internship just this fall just to, like, stay active. And um, she sent me a couple that the Career Center of Opportunity sent her at Purdue. And I pulled up the one from LPD, and it was for marketing communications. And I was just going through the requirements and the qualifications with all the skill sets and I pulled up my resume and I was laughing because I didn't really have to change anything on my resume and it all just fit with my previous experience so I was like okay like maybe I should apply um definitely could see like a lot of growth with this and especially in like today's society um it's a very difficult time for police departments and the social media and marketing aspect can be very crucial to um figuring that out yeah helping helping i agree sure i totally agree and when you came on board it was a little sigh of relief for me because i know that i was supposed to find pictures for instagram and 
that's a lot harder than you think. At least I think so. I mean, it's you know trying to to push good content out there. And I I I one hundred percent agree. I mean, I I came over to the division in October, coming out of detectives, and really for the learning curve for me was was significant, and I had no idea what it took to actually maintain those social media platforms and to keep it relevant and to keep that line of communication open. And you, Megan, had been here with us for about a month before I transitioned over. So, you know, I mean, I, there was, that was huge. I mean, you, you helping me to kind of understand what people are interested in, what, what is going to be attractive to them and how, a police department kind of navigates in that world is that was a huge learning curve. I'm still learning. Yeah. My biggest thing that I saw with it was that, um, it's very important to be active on your social media because there's so many good things you do from even just like interacting with the community or even doing like the hard work as a police officer of seeing the stuff that they see. And it's very important for the society to understand as a whole, like, the good and bad of both of it and what their day entails because on the forefront of it, they don't see all the little stuff in between. So that's important. Um, social media are able to plug in that stuff so they get a whole a wider perspective of it. So I, I think what's kind of maybe would be interesting to our listeners is that, you know, we all contribute to the content on our social media for the department, including Megan. And a lot of people may not know that. Correct. Yeah, like I said, she's been helping us out more. I mean, it, it's definitely been good for me because I struggled. I struggled finding content to push out, and it's there, right? It's there. Patty, you deal with it. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a full-time job. For sure. It is. And- so, I mean, we can kind of go in a few different directions with this, um, kind of take a step back with our unit. So, LT, if you want to – kind of talk about crime prevention and community outreach, what exactly everything we do. No, no, hang on. I'm not going to oh. let that one go by. LT is oh. an endearment. I'm sorry. Lieutenant <laughs> It's an Phillips. abbreviation for uh, lieutenant. That, that, That's not his that, name. His name's Brian. His name is Brian. But we can call him it's Lieutenant Brian. Phillips. Yeah. But he's my boss. That, sorry. That's, I, so. you know, I that's think, just my lay person. That's right. And input. you're the only one that calls me Brian, on, and I like that, on the podcast. That, that makes me feel good. Well, Thank you. You're welcome. So I guess I'll answer the question now. <laughs> so, yeah, for community outreach and our crime prevention, and I, I think it it's undervalued to a large degree or misunderstood maybe, even within our own agency, the the work that goes into it and what the end result is, it isn't always tangible when you're communicating directly with businesses and when you're doing site assessments and when you're, uh, communicating directly with the schools and um, and residents about um, you know crime prevention aspects and things that they can do to be safer, whether it's you know locking their cars or their homes and um, different precautions that they can take, and then that outreach piece of it as well, which you know you have the the mission of the police department and and what we want to convey to the public and how do we communicate that and how do we build those relationships with the citizens that we serve and that is that's huge i mean those two pieces i think are are really a cornerstone for how successful we're going to be as an agency moving forward but how do you um how do you put a number on that i mean how do you 
calculate how successful that is. I mean, you know, you can look at, you know, the, the, the most recent UCR statistics on the part one crimes that are lower than they've been in 12 years going back Uniform to crime report. Yeah. Uniform crime report. Yeah. Heights acronyms Absolutely. part of being a cop, right? You Correct. Get stuck with those, but those part one crimes that are down uh, more than they've been since 2007. And that is tremendous. So, you know, is that a byproduct of the work that that officers and detectives are doing? Absolutely it is. But I think it's also a byproduct of how we're engaging with the community and what we're doing and and those lines of communication that are open and a lot of the crime prevention uh, things that, that we do. So it's, it's a complete team effort. But, you know, I, th- I think that's definitely worth noting on the, the part one crimes. So this this month, this year, how many years do you have on? 17. So in 17 years, going back 17 years, policing, what it was, there was no community outreach crime prevention unit, correct? There, no, there wasn't. Um, but I think what you had was police officers that were doing a lot of the same things, but it was in an informal capacity. Walking the beat, talking well, to, yeah, abs- getting to know their neighborhoods. Absolutely, absolutely. Getting out and, uh, and and understanding their neighborhoods, communicating with the citizens in their neighborhoods, and and then taking steps to try and solve those problems, um, thinking outside the box. I mean, I think all those things were going on. I just don't think there was there was there wasn't that formal process that I think a lot of agencies have now. So I never really thought about it this way, but now that you brought that up, so. Then call volume wasn't as much as it is now because the city wasn't as big. Is that fair to say? I think that's relative, depending. But but yeah, I mean, so you, it gave them the time to get to know their beats, get to know their area more in depth. Um, not that the guys don't know them now, but it gave them more time to really engage, get to know who lives in their neighborhoods on a on a deeper level. But now as times have, have progressed, technology, city's gotten a lot bigger, our call volume's gotten a higher, now, now they have to rely on, I shouldn't say have to, but they rely on social media to get that information versus, because they don't have the time just to stop to talk to everybody, right? Because they're running call to call to call. Yeah, that's a good point. Is that, am I yeah. making sense there? Yes, you are. But, you know, it's, it's bigger than that because... A generation ago, we didn't have access to everything immediately. Correct, yeah. And now we do. Oh, I just saw a rabbit hole. We could go way down that one. No, we're not going down that rabbit <laughs> hole. <laughs> we can't. We no, could, though. No, but, you know, a generation ago, officers went about their business. They did what they what they did. They And there were detractors at that time. The prevailing sentiment was, it's okay. We know what we're doing is right, and the world will figure it out eventually. And now you have people watching officers 24 hours a day, criticizing and critiquing their work all the time. And so it's important to get the word out. It's like what you think you see is not what you see. And so with the information, embrace that, get it out there, and and let the world inside to see what an officer actually does and what the police department does. You know, I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going down this rabbit hole. So, you know, we were talking about this earlier, uh, Megan and I and Ian, about, you know, where people get their information from. What's their source of news? And you brought up an excellent point, Patty, because where are they getting it? And how, how do police departments reach groups of people in your community 
that aren't necessarily plugged into what you have to say and what you're pushing out. And I'd really be curious to hear what Megan's thoughts are on that, because we all walk around in a little bit of a bubble, whether we want to admit it or not, and we're gathering our news from different places. And I, I mean, I think Tom, too, I'd be curious to see what Tom or Alan thinks along with Megan on this. Yeah, so mine, just as like a 21-year-old student on campus, like we, a lot of us don't have cable. We rely off of Netflix and Hulu. So that just already knocks out any news network that we're not able to watch. So um, we don't get newspapers sent to us. We do just rely on social media to get information. And even growing up, like I remember watching on the TV, looking for a snow day for the name to scroll across the bottom of the screen. But now it's like, oh, let me get on Twitter to see if school is canceled. But so kids nowadays don't know the excitement of, oh, let me look on TV to see if school's canceled. But that just shows how things have evolved. And whenever I'm looking for information, the first thing I'll look for is, oh, let me go Facebook and check the reviews of this restaurant or see what's going on in this city, like what events are going on in um, – or like rely on Twitter just to rely um, the constant feedback of oh let me see what so and so has going on or what have they been active with or what events are going on so just as a 21 year old we heavily rely on social media to get our news network and hey well, as a 33 year old I rely on it too just throwing that out there so, age is just a number. Doesn't that illustrate, though, the responsibility that we have to get the right word out there? Because, I mean, yes. it's just one great big rumor mill, right? Somebody yeah. could tweet something that's incorrect or inaccurate, and that's why it's so important, the work that outreach does, to get LPD's word out there. So, yeah. I looking in, so community outreach, how long has this unit been going on? Do you know? Uh, well... Only the Chief, last well, two or three years really uh, is as strong as it's uh, been now. I mean, it might be. Chief Flanley actually started. Flanley started it, and it was almost when I started because I think Gossard got promoted. So six years. So it might it might be five years. It's been around, yeah. but it's it was in its infancy then because yeah. Cecil Cecil was in it. And Correct. Uh, so I was on patrol during that time when I got started, and as a patrolman, you know, you're in the midst of running calls and whatnot, and that's your world. And uh, I'll be honest, you know, I was like, why, you know, what do they do there? Yada, yada, yada. You know, you kind of, I don't want to say looking down on it, but I can't think of a better phrase, no, you know, it, because you you're so. You didn't in, recognize the value. I didn't recognize the value. Thank you, Patty. You're but, but that's important because that that is part of our job too, right? It's not just educating the public. We also have to educate those that we work with each day what this division does correct and so with that being said when i came over and and started doing the job and was part of the unit i i was like oh my gosh i didn't realize how necessary it was and honestly the amount of um people that reach out to us and and vice versa you know for our our talks and um whatever it is you know being a part of their organization business it was just it's I just, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, what were we doing six years ago, seven years ago to 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 answer that need? And it was almost like maybe we're just turning people away. I don't know because we didn't have the resources. And so being on the other side and, and seeing it from a different angle, I think it's very, very necessary. Like you said, the social media aspect of getting that information out there is very, very important. So I guess my question to almost everybody in the room is, uh, do you think that, 
this unit is important in a police department? And we'll start with Megan, but the social media, do you think it's important that a police departments have at least a few people dedicated to pushing out information and engaging with the community beyond just running to calls for service? I think it's very crucial. And one example I want to tie in is um, I've seen like copious amounts of police departments posting if there was a robbery or theft at a local business, the business will send the police department the image of the individual and they'll push it out on their social media. And all it takes is for a couple of retweets for someone to be like, hey, I recognize that person. That's so-and-so. Um, this is where they live. And um, it's just a quick way to solve crimes that would. Yeah. And that's just one one reason, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just one example of and even how it works. like informing the public of different instances. Whereas, like, if there's a road closure or a wreck in a certain area or any type of situation happening where the police are blocking the way, like, it's just a quick way to get the information out instead of having to wait on an external source to get there and push it out. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's a change in philosophy from being reactionary to being proactive. And it's almost, to a certain degree, for a lot of police departments and municipalities, adopting somewhat of the of a principle that works in the private sector very well. Because you can't be reactionary and be successful as a business. You have to be constantly, you know, innovative and you have to be thinking outside the box and, and what what's the product that, that you're that you're trying to sell. And and really, you know, although that kind of sounds like a bad word isn't that what we're trying to do? And it's, so it's a change to a some degree for, for agencies and how they think about communicating their message and what their core values are and what they're trying to, trying to communicate to the public. I'd, I'd like to answer that if I could. Um, yes. It, it's, it's not a bad word. It's important. And, you know, Megan gave an example of why outreach is important right now. And I would like to add my example. Too many times you see parents saying, be good, or I'm going to have the cops take you away. And so historically, police have had an image, big bad cop, right? So we're all in this together. You know, we are a society. We are a culture. Society has rules in order for us to all thrive. And the police is just one small part of that. We're not, the police is not just about being the enforcer. It's more important to bring everybody together on the same side. And so, you know, through outreach, you can get the word out. You can let people see everything that's going on and the reason why you're there and your mission. Yeah. Transparency. Exactly. And also, again, I say this all the time and I know I've said it on the podcast before, but, uh, we can't do our job to the best of our ability without the community. And absolutely the social media is just another great way, um, to connect with them, build a relationship. And so is the Foot Pursuit 5K, but we'll talk about that later. Just a little <laughs> plug there. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming, Patty. Let's help. But I'll also open. throw another plug in that, uh, you know, we are a very progressive police department. And, you know, our administration, they're always looking for for ideas and thinking outside the box. Uh, I think we do a great job of not just saying, hey, this is how we always done it. We're going to continue to do it this way. And um, if you are looking to become a police officer, you know, this is definitely an agency that's always trying to to raise the bar, raise the standard, um, 
with training and, and the different units, right? The operation center, community outreach. And so there's just so many opportunities. Our city's growing, a lot of uh, ways to, to gain experience. So connecting with the community, right? And social media and outreach, where I think we're the easiest it's ever been to connect with a police officer, right? And you can very easily get a hold of us via any of our platforms to ask us questions about hiring or what's going on in the community or, or whatever, whatever you want to. So, um, were you going to say something? Well, no, I, I was, I was going to kind of pivot back to Megan a little bit because along those same lines, we just recently launched a brand new program that it was actually her idea and she brought it to us and, and that's the, the, the LPD student of the month. So maybe you'd like to kind of explain where that idea came from and how we got that off the ground. Yeah, so my idea with the Lafayette Police Department Student of the Month basically stemmed from um, I was very active over at Purdue's campus with College Mentors for Kids, and that's where we would have a little buddy from um, second grade to sixth grade. We meet with them once a week, and they're from the Lafayette School Corporation. Um, And I just saw the need. Um, the kids come from potentially like lower income or just a different structure of a household. So I could see that even some would have comments of, oh, like police are big and bad. They're scary. So that's why I saw like, okay, like I already know we have a school resource officer. So it'd be good to like plug in to this elementary network and kind of honor those kids for their good behavior and in return build that trusting relationship with the police officer within their school and I don't know then it would just carry home to their home of hey mom like these police officers are very like trusting and they're good people but it also helps with maybe promoting uh, it as a career path too absolutely because I know that I was talking to the mayor and he remembers when he was in school that there were like I don't know if it, I can't remember if he said like a police academy or whatever, but at a very young age, and he was hooked. You know, he's like, I want to be a police officer, and so you, you know, we have to make those connections at a young age. It is very important uh, across the board, every every age group, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I what what really excited me about this program is. You know, we have school resource officers that are in Lafayette School Corporation that interact at the junior high level, at the high school level. So, you know, we we do have opportunities to connect with students at that age group. But what was missing was that elementary school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, our, our SROs, they're very busy, but that's an, that's an area that, you know, in talking with them that they don't get to spend a lot of time there. So that's what I really liked about this program is that you had an opportunity to identify an elementary age student for some, uh, so for, a, you know, different criteria that is part of that program. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. The criteria just stems off of not solely academic performance, but, um, being a good citizen and modeling like good behavior within the school and to their classmates. Um, and I saw it as between, like, fourth grade to sixth grade, that's a very crucial time period where they're building their relationships on who they want to trust in life and the outlook they have on those individuals. So I figured that, okay, plug them into that age group, and they're able to build that healthy relationship with them from the start. No, it was a great idea. And I'm not trying to mean this as a plug, but it's just going to happen again. So, you know, we – are trying to hit every 
age group aspect of our community, right? And so we have the student of the month. We do coffee with a cop. We, you know, obviously out there patrolling. That's a way to engage with the community. Uh, you know, so with, with the foot pursuit race, honestly, it was one, one of the criteria as far as my goals was concerned was just a way to engage with the community, right? Because there's a lot of people that just have never never spoke with a cop. They don't know a police officer. They've never, because they're law-abiding citizens, they've probably never had a reason to, right? And so I wanted another op. I wanted our own outreach event to where those people can come and engage with my, our officers who will be there, by the way, at this race again this year on April 13th at SIA. Another, another shameless plug. You want? Another shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. But no, in all seriousness, you know, uh, so they can come out and kind of engage with the officers, talk to them. You know, we'll have a canine officer there or SWAT officers, CSI. I mean, they're all, they'll all be there. And it, it was just another way to where we could build those relationships in, in another way that they can come and have time to sit and, and talk with them and, and get to know us, you know, and us get to know them, right? right. Know the people that we serve. And uh, on top of obviously having a good uh, fundraising event for the Hartford House, you know, they, they help out our community and another aspect of children who, who are in need. So, and then also just to get people moving, but that's, that's what it's for. And that it's, it's, it was more than successful last year, and I think it's going to grow. And uh, again, just another way, honestly, though, to uh, build those relationships. Uh, that way, we can provide the best service possible for our community. Right. I think so. those events are very good, especially you can gain positive and negative feedback from the community because they're the forefront of who you guys work with, and um, just hearing the pros that they see that you guys are doing, and then areas that they think that you could work on more or focus more in depth about as a police officer within the community. So it's essential to hear that feedback from them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, we, I think we do a great job of not being stuck in our ways and we need that, that, uh, that feedback. So we, cause I, I guarantee there's areas, well, there's always areas that we can build on and, and get better at. And so we can provide that better service. Um, so yeah, 100%. Again, it goes back to we can't do our job to the fullest of our ability without the community. So so please follow us. Another plug. Wow. Uh, you know, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Lafayette INPD on both. Right, Megan? Yep. Both, yeah. Uh, you know, follow the city. I mean, the city pushes uh, our Facebook page or the city's Facebook page. They push out information. Right. And Lafayette PD does not have a Facebook page. There are many times when we get private messages that are intended for the police. We are not plugged in to the police as the city, so those messages would probably be better directed to something like the We Tip hotline, 1-800-78-CRIME, or calling the LPD admin line, 765-807-1200. You know, if, if it's a tip, we will forward it, but it might not get the uh, immediate attention that it deserves. Could also next door. Am I correct? Could you use that yes. social network for that? If you tag the agency, if I mean next door is intended as a neighborhood conversation, and so the agency LPD or the city of Lafayette cannot see all posts that you put out there unless you tag LPD or city. But you know that you know I think that's a the, the next door. 
it, it, I don't think enough people know about that oh, and, and the information that's out there. Incredible, I mean, isn't it? It really is. We're at we're at like thirteen thousand households now. We're at twenty nine percent of the homes in Lafayette, and that's a big deal. Right. And there is a ton of information that is shared in those neighborhoods uh, between the people that live there. And I, you know, I think if you're if you're not on next door and you live in Lafayette, you're missing out. You yeah. really are. A lot of good things, but there's also just a ton of communication between residents who don't know each other by name, Mm -hmm. but can communicate with each other about issues that are going on in their neighborhood. Right. And Nextdoor is always rolling out improvements. So now you can sort by topic if you don't want to see the posts about lost cats or uh, coyotes in your neighborhood or something. You can filter those out. You can just look for, I don't know, recommendations for remodelers or uh, crime Crime and law enforcement. What there's a, there are different categories that you can filter and top roll scroll through your topics that way. Hmm. I didn't know they changed. I uninstalled it because it was all lost cats and yeah. No, uh, same here. Garage, yeah, no. You can you can definitely stuff. tag that. Um, so you know it's kind of like when you used to go to your your corner grocery store and they had a bulletin board and everybody would tack things up on the bulletin board. It's a lot like that, but obviously more technologically advanced. So I'm going to talk just a little bit real quick, and then I want to kind of get Megan's perspective on it. The, you know, we have the Lafayette Citizens Academy that we offer. Uh, it's an eight-week course twice a year, and we've got the registration is obviously closed because we're full now for the class that starts April 3rd, and those always fill up really quick. But the the, the nice thing about the, the Citizens Academy, along with all the different the kind of the inside look that they get a chance to see of the department, the different divisions, the different specialty units in those divisions, uh, and then they get to ride out with officers on patrol during their tour of duty, which is something similar that, that Megan's had a chance to do quite a few times. We always get feedback that is interesting. It's an open discussion um, during during the, the sessions. It's 6 to 9 p.m. every Wednesday night, but... That right there from the instructors that, that, that teach, because we have officers that teach those classes all the way up to the chief's office. And it really is that feedback that we get from the public, from from citizens that attend the academy is, is extremely insightful. And I kind of like to ask Megan you know, what she thinks about that and what maybe has changed for you as being with LPD for the last five or six months. Yeah, so I've done a couple ride-alongs from um, during day shifts and then night shifts just, like, to get a different vibe of what they do as police officer on the streets. Um, and one thing that I've seen is there's a lot more that their shift entails than what society perceives, like, good and bad. Um, one thing I did notice, um, one thing that it's easy to think, oh, you see someone pulled over on the street, oh, they're writing a ticket to them, or oh, they're writing, they're getting them for speeding or something, but I've, out of all my ride-alongs with LPD, I've never been with someone that writes a ticket because that's not their intentions. They mainly just want to inform them of, hey, do not do this behavior. Like, their first instinct is not to get them in trouble or write them a ticket. They'd rather be very proactive with it and just help them. Well, it's about correcting behavior, right? Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, you look at the purpose behind, you know, those types of enforcements. It's, it's, it's not driven 
from a monetary standpoint to penalize someone. It's the, the sole purpose is to actually correct the behavior. And yes. I, I think that's, that, that's a misconception that's out there. Yeah, and if you've been pulled over five times in the last month, you know, for the same, because we do document that, right? You're you're probably going to get a ticket, yeah. right? Because obviously that behavior hasn't changed. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I would love to see. Actually, we did. There were numbers out there, and then like, it was very low the amount of people that actually get a citation from being pulled over. Yeah, I don't remember um, what they were specifically, but that that is a good point that you bring up, Megan. From from the civilian perspective, when they see that, that's exactly what they think. Ah, you know, they're they're getting a hundred and fifty dollar ticket for for speeding when that may not be the case at all. Yeah. It, it may be a conversation that takes place between the officer and the motorist to say, "Hey, you know, you were going this fast, or you, you know, whatever the situation might be, or the infraction was," and and they're released with a warning. Yeah, and definitely the way that I've seen the officers through um, the different patrol calls that they go to, the way they handle their situations, they're very proactive and professional about it in a way of informing the community and protecting them to their best ability. Now, do you watch police shows? Are you, do you, are you say you don't have cable, but you know, the live, the live PD shows, do you watch any of those? Yeah, I'll watch live PD and, I've now, seen. as far as there, I know it's, I, I've never watched any of them, but what's the difference between actually being out there on the ride along and, and one of those shows? I mean, what are they leaving out there? I mean, is it pretty accurate? Um, I mean, I don't have much of a law enforcement background with that, but I've even seen like on the live PD shows, I've seen stuff that officers do and I'm like, why would they not do this situation different? And I sat in through one of the roll calls for Blue Night Shift, and they actually pulled up a live PD segment um, where an officer did something wrong, and it was so obvious, like, he had taken the gun from the guy and then put it on top of the car, and it was an easy access for the guy still. But that was just a way to learn from, and even all the officers there were like, why is this on live television? Like, why are they... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, thirty some years, I've had somebody yelling at the TV. You can't do that. That's is wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nope. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, and uh, you know, none of us are perfect, and we can always learn from yeah. our situations. I just, I was going more towards like, uh, you know, the, the behind the scenes, what we do day in and day out. Um, you know, it's not always just foot pursuits and, and stuff like that, right? I mean, we're we're solving problems. We're having to make tough decisions. And, and that's kind of what I'm – what you've seen maybe in the ride-alongs versus on TV. It's, you know, usually just always arrests, right, arrests and stuff that's action and, and super interesting. But that's not our total day. And then you're not even every day, right? Um, yeah. That was kind of my question. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but I think – it, what's interesting about what you said is, you know, that was a training tool, right? Mm-hmm. And I think most people don't understand how hard we as police officers critique ourselves and each other. Oh, absolutely. It's it's intense. I mean, it, re- it really is. Um, you know, that that's that's how we stay safe. You know, that's we go how we go home at the end of the night. But uh, that's probably something that I think a lot of people don't know, that we're our worst critics and we critique each other and sometimes we're brutal about it. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what I like about the uh, the Citizens Academy is that, you know, if you do 
if there are those questions about decisions that we make and whatnot, we're able to, to answer those and, and somewhat put uh, those folks into situations to where they have to make a similar decision, right? And then they get that, oh, okay, now I understand moment versus just watching a video that somebody takes and, and going merely off a of video. It's just not that that simple. So that's one of the reasons that I personally like the Citizens Academy because uh, it really gives citizens an opportunity to see exactly uh, – for the most part, right? What we, how we operate, and why we do what we do. So, uh, if you haven't done it before, is there spots open? No, it's closed now for the for the spring one. We'll have another Citizens Academy in the fall. Oh, okay, yeah, but I mean, it's definitely something if you're interested in that and, and it's something to look into. You know, you talk about the the ride-alongs that you've done, and about you know midway through the academy is when the academy members, the citizens get out there and they and they they're with officers on patrol and what's really neat is when they come back the next time that we have the session the following week and everyone has stories to tell and oftentimes there's questions that go along with that well why did that officer do this or why was this action taken or what was the cause for that and so it it gives you know if they didn't get that at the time if it wasn't understood at the time then there's that opportunity to explain that and talk about that and the, i think that's one of the neatest part of the citizens academy is people walk away with that different understanding of ah okay i understand and then that and they now. share that and they share that absolutely absolutely yeah. and that's what i've noticed with my ride alongs whenever we are in a situation i'll walk the officer they'll walk me through like why they took the necessary steps that they did in, like, a Citizens Academy is used for. I find it very understanding for me as well because just as a civilian, it's not blatantly upfront of, like, why they do what they do. And it's very important to understand the situation as a whole. So let me put you on the spot just a little bit. So when you when you came to LPD, there's no question because we all have our, our preconceived ideas of certain things. What was probably the biggest one that changed for you? Um, definitely, I've always been very like appreciative of law enforcement, and um, I've gained a lot more appreciation and respect for them because there's so much that their day entails that we don't see as a public or it's the behind the scenes stuff that we don't realize that they're dealing with and um, they just have, they have such a quick time to make that crucial decision that can either be life or death. And I think through that, I've realized the amount of like patience and training that they have to go to, to uphold to their highest standard and ensure that they're always the best of the best and can continue to keep our community safe. Right on. I think the biggest thing that, I hope people take away from this this podcast is that you know this unit really to me is our way of being transparent in our actions uh our way of or a better way i guess of <clears throat> reaching out there because we want your feedback we want you to uh tell us what's going on in the community we want to be a part of your organizations if you want us to be and uh you know it's for it's for the community you know, I mean, the pictures and stuff that we post, uh, you know, both both of g- good situations and people getting arrested because, I mean, that is what we do, right? It's uh, it's both, and we 
we're, we're in both of those worlds of, hey, we want to be a part of the good things, but we deal with the bad things as well. Uh, here's what we do. There are no secrets. And this is just another way for us to to reach out and do that. So uh, if you do want us to be a part of your organization or you do have questions or whatever the case may be, we have those multiple platforms for you to reach out and, and engage with us. So please do so and go to the Foot Pursuit 5K. <laughs> I had to, Patty. Will there be donuts? There will be donuts. Dunkin' Donuts will be bringing donuts and coffee. I have a lot of good giveaways. Might as well just talk about it now. Uh, FootPursuit5k.itsyourrace.com. Uh, I would love to see our numbers double this year. So we had just a little over 400 registered participants last year. We gave the Hartford House $11,000. We're well on our way to uh, hopefully doubling that. Uh, it's a great event. I have a bunch of good stuff to give away to the top runners. Some door prizes we'll be raffling off. Uh, for instance, a, a fitness bag, I guess you can call it. The Y donated a year's family membership. And inside that will be also be a $100 gift card to Fleet Feet to get you some new shoes or whatever you wish. And then some headphones so you can rock out to your music while you're training. Uh, instead of a pull-up challenge this year, we have the kettlebell swing challenge, which is a minute of max rep American kettlebell swings. If you don't know what an American kettlebell swing is, just YouTube it. Uh, and we'll be giving away the kettlebells to the winners. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Again, it's at SIA, April 13th. Um, we would love to, to have you there. It's, it's family-friendly. Uh, the National Guard's bringing out an inflatable for the kids to play on. Uh, we'll have the vendors there to give stuff away. I mean, uh, like I said, we'll have at least one of our canines there running the race again, some of the SWAT team guys, uh, hopefully getting other agencies. So... That's another thing. I challenge any of the local agencies to come out and try to beat some of our LPD runners. County, uh, local surrounding counties and agencies, please come out. Um, you know, the Hartford House use or provides their resources to not only Tippecanoe County but the surrounding counties. So I know that they, uh, you know, they should be involved too. So there's my challenge. Come and, come and beat one of our LPD officers. See if you can uh, outrun us. Or kettlebell swings, right? So we'll talk about it again. I have to. I got to push it out there. I'm pretty uh, pretty passionate about it because I know that it is a good cause and it is a good good event. So, what about for all those individuals who aren't ready for a five k? Look at that! Look at that! She's working. She's always working. So we did this Monday. What was that? The eleventh. We started a couch to five k program. We're just pushing out over our social media, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, which is Lafayette INPD, and it is just, uh, if you don't know what a Couch 5K is, it's pretty much, hey, I don't, I don't do anything or I do very little activity. Uh, it's a program you'll follow every day that will help you train and prepare to either walk the 5K or run it, jog it, wh whatever. Um, but it's all there for you, including rest days, stretching. Patty, Patty, you're following it, right? Um um, what, what's a 5k? <laughs> oh, stop it. 3.1 miles. She'll be there. Patty's going to be there. Uh, but yes, it is 3.1 miles, but it's awesome. It's an awesome venue going into the woods and into the grasses and whatnot. It's a pretty neat, uh, venue. So I know a lot of the road runners really enjoyed it last year. So, 
but yeah, thank you for, yeah, follow us on social media. We're pushing that out every day, including all the other content that we push out. So, is that all we got? All right. Well, I appreciate you being here, Megan. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I enjoy working with you guys and definitely seeing all the growth that we've had over the past couple of months. Yeah, and we got a lot of other good things going and ideas and whatnot, so I'm looking forward to it. Patty, always a pleasure. Thank you, Ian. Same here. Uh, Tom, you were quiet today, man. Very quiet. I'm getting over uh, the flu, so. Oh, well, I'm glad you're sitting over there. Yes. Now he tells us? And Al- Yeah. <laughs> I had my flu shot. I'm okay. Yeah. And Alan, I'm, I'm glad you're back from vacation. I wish I was still in Honduras. I bet. I bet. All right. Well, appreciate everybody's time. This has been Inside the Squad, a podcast from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is a community outreach podcast and is hosted by Specialist ENO Shields and Lieutenant Brian Phillips of the Crime Prevention Unit within the department. On this episode of Inside the Squad, we were joined by Megan Winter, who is the marketing and media intern of the Lafayette Police Department. We discussed social media's importance within a department, community outreach, and marketing. Production assistance provided by the City of Lafayette IT Department. You can email show ideas and questions to us at podcast at lafayette.in.gov. Join us on Instagram, Twitter, Nixle, and Nextdoor.